Becoming a full-time writer can be overwhelming. Join Jay Thorne and Zach Bohannon as they help you improve your craft and find your audience so you too can become a career author. This is the Career Author Podcast. Hi, I'm Tara. And I'm Steph. And we're from Kobo Writing Life, Kobo's free, fast and easy self-publishing platform. KWL was built by authors for authors. And our team of dedicated book lovers is always working hard to help authors reach new readers around the world. With Kobo Writing Life, authors can now publish audiobooks and ebooks right in their KWL account. We don't ask for exclusivity, and you'll always control your pricing in up to 16 currencies. You can also create a pre-order for your audio and ebooks with no date limitations. We have a lot of great promotional opportunities for Kobo Writing Life authors available in the Promotions tab right in their KWL dashboard. If you're an author and you don't have access to the Promotions or Audiobooks tab, email us at writinglife@kobo.com and we'll get you sorted. We're all about providing excellent support. Create your free account today at kobo.com slash writinglife. If you want to learn more about Kobo Writing Life, check out our blog, podcast, and find us on social. Happy writing. All right. Welcome to the Career Author Podcast. Uh, I'm Jay Thorne. Zach Bohannon will be joining me shortly, having some tech issues. Uh, really excited to get to landmark episode number 148 with you. We have a, a special guest who I'll introduce in a moment. Uh, a few housekeeping things uh, of note before we get into this uh, conversation you are not going to want to miss. Um, the topic is cumulative advantage with Joe Solari, and we're going to be talking about uh, what I like to frame as an alternative to the paid ads race to the bottom. Uh, so you're going you're gonna to really like this episode. Uh, the, some of the housekeeping things. I am, uh, this week, I'm running a free five-day challenge called, it's called Plot a Novel. Uh, it's a plot, plot a Novel challenge. It's to get you ready for NaNoWriMo, which is going to be coming up in next month as you're listening in real time. Again, this is like my Supercharge Your Scene challenge. It's five days, completely free email-based. You'll get a lesson every day. Uh, there'll be prizes. So if you want to check it out, go to plotanovel.com. Link will be in the show notes and you can uh, sign up there. Also, our good buddy, Jeff Elkins, the Dialogue Doctor, is running a new course and he is going, he's only taking 12 people and uh, there's going to be Zoom calls where he's going to be showing you how he's editing the dialogue in one of his original books. Uh, so you guys know how, how highly I think of uh, Jeff. You're going to want to make sure you check that out. Uh, those seats are going fast. Link will be in the show notes. Uh, that is the dialogue, Dr. Jeff Elkins. And then final uh, announcement. Zach and I uh, have decided to do something special for the, for the final 150th episode of The Career Author coming up in a few weeks. And that is we are going to make it a live show and we're inviting you to come with us. So if you can make it, uh, it's, we're recording on October 26th at 10 a.m. It'll be a, uh, a Zoom recording and um, you can join us. You have to register in advance so we know who's showing up, but uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. Um, it'll be a, a live Q&A, comments, just show up, uh, sort of a celebration of the podcast. If you don't want to be on camera, um, you know, you can come in, turn your camera off and turn your microphone off and just use the chat to submit questions. But we'd love to have, uh, we'd love to have you guys on. So if you can make it, 10 a.m. Eastern, October 26th. Um, link will be in the show notes to register. It'll be the live final episode of the Career Author Podcast, episode 150. All right. So uh, with that, let's skip right to the meat of this. Uh, I have uh, a friend here with me. We first met uh, back in the Selmore Book Show Summit a few years ago. Mm. And uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to uh, 
be hired by him to work on on this book. And so I got uh, I got an insider's view, and I I told him when we were done, I said, "Man, you got to come on the podcast and talk about this." So, uh, Joe Slari, welcome to the Career Author Podcast. Thanks for having me on, Jay. This is a real pleasure. Yeah, man, this is gonna be fun. Uh, we know each other, so we can dispense all the all the stupid bullshit about who are you <laughs> and what do you do. Let's, let's get right to it, man. Um, when I when I've been telling people about your book, uh, and and we've been talking about this concept of cumulative advantage, I have been framing it as the independent author's alternative to paid ads. How do you feel about that? I think it's um, it's certainly a, a fair way to look at it. I think there's um, there's a lot more to it than just that, but it is the path to uh, getting out of that. And I can give you real hard facts about that. September, which um, may have been one of the craziest months I've ever seen as far as launches and just traditional publishing books being dumped and deals. Um, my private client group, we had three authors, all who uh, ranked above 200 in the entire store for multiple days, some of them uh, almost the whole month above 100, with either zero ads or 25% or less of what they previously had been spending on ads. So you got to understand some of my clients this is kind of like weaning them off of heroin when it comes to ad <laughs> yeah. spend, right? It's like they trust me a lot, but to say just completely cut ads 100%, they're never going to do because they they fear the results. Okay. Um, and oh, right. Holy shit. I mean, that is massive. That is massive, right? Like mm -hmm. I, I, how, how do like how does we, we've been hearing about, you know, Amazon ads and, and if, if you got to do this and, and you've, you've got to run them. And if you don't run them, your book's not going to be seen. You're not going to be sell copies. How are these clients doing this, Joe? Uh, well, it, it might help to kind of frame this and how I came to this because, you know, when I came to you with that book, one of my biggest concerns was, is it was the culmination of over a year of research and work that I was doing to figure something out. And while I, in my head, knew what was kind of all the moving parts were, I was really concerned about, was I gonna be able to articulate this story to somebody so that they could pick up on all the pieces? Because as you know, I'm going through it, this is a dense book, like there's a lot yeah. of research and you know, I get into behavioral psychology and economics. And so I, I wanted to make sure that while I understood it because I read all that crap, that I made it so my audience could get what they needed out of it. So, you know, since 2016, I've been working with over a dozen authors, and these are all authors that are doing um, six and seven figures. And when I look at um, their businesses, because I help them, where I come from is I'm helping them on their business, like fun stuff like taxes and, you know, how to scale the business and really back office stuff. But it always gets back to, I want my business to do X or Y, grow or do this or do that. So what I was trying to figure out is how was it that, you know, you have all these successful authors across all these genres, how are they being successful? Is there one common thread, right? And the funny thing is, is when you, where you go to look first is the stuff you're talking about. Like, is it an ad strategy? Is it how they have a funnel set up? Is it any of these kind of these digital marketing concepts? 
And that was not the case because I have authors that are, I mean, they would swear on their kids' lives that it's AMS ads and others that would say it's Facebook ads. And then I've got others that never ran an ad their life and are doing better than the other two, right? And so like it, in my in my view, I want to figure out, like, do I need to tell the guy that's not running ads to run ads? Do I need to tell the guy that's running ads to not run ads? And as I dug into this, then I started to see how there's these other massive forces at play in the marketplace that authors actually have some really important skill sets to, to connect to and to, 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 to harness to get this thing working for them. So I think that, you know, that's kind of the basis of this. And this gets to this idea of cumulative advantage. So I, you know, I'd look to you, like, where do you want me to go to talk about this? Because I can talk about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I know you feel really strongly about it, uh, as yeah. you should, right? Let's Maybe then let's start, now that we've sort of, uh, now that we've thrown out the hook and people are like, okay, yeah. what is this thing? You know, how do you... Uh, you meet someone on the street or you meet an author for the first time. How do you explain to them what your idea of cumulative advantage is? Yeah. So um, that's a, it's an awesome question. I've got a great example. So I was just down at Nink. <clears throat> uh, so the, the, the crowd that was there, you know, a lot of authors that are doing very well, there's a revenue requirement to be in Nink. And I was sitting at a table uh, and there was two thriller authors there and the heavy hitters, like these guys are, one's making a lot of money and the others, you know, compared to them not, but still like, you know, 300,000 a year, right? And I listened to them talking to each other and not once, not once in the conversation, I just sat there for like 25 minutes listening to these two guys talk. Not once did they ever talk about delighting their reader. Not once. Wow. Everything was about AMS, AMG, at Facebook, click through. I mean, it sounded like it was a digital marketing conference. Yeah. Right. So I finally kind of interjected myself into the conversation and, and I, I said to him, listen, you, if you went and if I was at a digital marketing conference and I talked to a digital marketer, one of the things that they would say is really a powerful tool is story. That you can use story to sell a product. And here you are, you're all some of the best storytellers in the world. And you're going to default away from that tool to go and start using digital marketing tools that everybody uses. So we're actually giving up our most powerful tool. And, and that's not a skill set that most authors have, right? Like The digital marketing one? Right. Like di digital marketing or, or navigating paid ads is a completely different skill set than being a storyteller. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you notice the ads that, you know, when you see somebody that's very good with their ads and is working a good digital marketing um, campaign, it has a story associated with it. They're, they're taking you on a, 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 a story where they're um, solving a problem for you, right? You, they're, they're highlighting your pain, they're highlighting the obstacles, and they're, they're giving you this aspirational story how you are going to get to this, this wonderful place in the future Oh, by the way, it requires you to buy this course, right? Um, so, you know, when I sit somebody down, it's like, we, what we have to do is we have to change your focus on what your system is about. Um, your system has to be about customer delight, not about conversion. 
If you don't want your customers to treat you like a transaction, quit treating them like one, right? And, you know, what I found as I was going through this book, you know, and there's, there's like these three different levels that I talk about as far as how the marketplace works. Um, authors really have this truly intimate space where they play inside the brain of their customer, where, you know, depending on how you want to use this, it could, you, it, it could resort in, I believe, into brainwashing people. Yeah. Right. Like that's how powerful this is for authors. Right. Yeah. And you, and you, you get do to that. a very good job of laying that out and how that's different than even other, other entertainment mediums. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's a completely unique thing. So I don't, for, for this, I mean, you're, you're the, the story structure expert. So how do you, should we start top and go down or bottom and go up? I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to put myself. I'm trying to go back to the the point where I was first working on the manuscript and kind of those revelations that were that were sort of hitting me. Um, so, so so maybe like what's what what I mean, what do you have to do to get cumulative advantage? Like, if you're not going to use these paid ads, how do you delight the reader? That's probably the the, the question the listeners thinking of right now. Yeah. So, and I think a a, a great way to frame cumulative advantage because, you know, you, you, you read my book. So you saw that, that phrase, you know, 10,000 times. <laughs> um, it, it helps if we kind of think about what cumulative advantage is and the fact that it exists um, in the marketplace that authors play in, whether they're harnessing it or not. So let's take a step back and let's talk about uh, classical economics. So uh, if you've had an Eco 101 class and you were awake, you heard that supply meets demand and sets the price, right? And economists, you know, the classical economists believe that's the way the whole world works. Problem is, is that they find places like publishing where it doesn't work that way at all. And I'll get into that in a second. But the thing to think about in this is that if it was a traditional marketplace where price we're, excuse me, we're supply and demand met and set the price, authors would be broke because there's so much supply in the marketplace. Yep. You know, if we look at Amazon and I use the Kindle market store as an hourly updated live model of our, our marketplace, there's 8 million titles that are published right now that, you, that a, a potential customer could select from, right? So there's no shortage of books for them to read. But the thing is, is that a lot of those books never get read. So why, why is that? You look at certain marketplaces like finance, uh, anything that is kind of talent-based, the arts, sports, certainly publishing, what actually happens is a very few amount of authors make the money. So we can see that clear as day. The data are irrefutable. It, if you look at the ranking system on, on Kindle, 100,000 gets you about a book a day, figure 399 a book, that's 2000 bucks a year for a title. Then you start to look at that 8 million titles. That means that less than 2% of the titles are making $2,000 or more. And, and that's important to note because I took a, a little bit of heat for, for being somewhat negative about the future of publishing. But I think this is a fact that, that authors and people who sell things to authors don't really want to address, which is... Um, most most independent authors don't make any money, let alone a living. They don't make any money at this. Yeah, I mean that's um, 
that's a real important thing to understand is if you're going into this business, um, it's not an easy business. Right. You know, there's a lot of people that sell the aspiration of being an author, um, but it it takes a lot of work and uh, the success rate, like if you just look at it, would you buy a stock? Whatever you're, you know, let's put it into framework this way. Uh, whatever you're prepared to spend on becoming an author, say it's $5,000 to produce your first book. Would you be prepared to invest that in something that maybe will get you two and a half percent return? <laughs> Probably not. Put it in Vanguard, get eight or nine percent. Like, right, right. right. <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that right now, if you're really serious about becoming an author, there is no better time ever to do it. Yes, agreed. The tools are all in place. There is nothing, there's less and less friction between you and your reader, right? And, um, and the other part of it that's important to understand is, is that you don't need the same size audiences that you used to need because there's less uh, middlemen and we can get them out of the way. And you can find these niches that you can write in, that you love to write in, that never would have ever been published before, that there's people that would love to read and can support you. So the thing to think about is the bell curve of, um, uh, well, it's again, it's not a bell curve, right? But like that, that, that power curve of, of, of authors and, and, uh, and the, the money that they're making, what's happening now is there's, that's being applied to a larger population. Yes. So there's more millionaire authors not because the percentage of millionaire authors has gotten bigger, but because the population we're applying that percentage to has more people in it. Right. right? So instead of it being 1% times a thousand, it's 1% times 10,000. So we've had a 10 X increase in authors. Right. So I know kind of got off on a tangent there, but the point is, is I don't want to discourage somebody from going after their dream. Just understand this, there is uh, it's not as easy as some might paint the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, we look at that concept of like, okay, there's this power curve that's in the marketplace, right? That there's this, you know, small portion of people that are making most of the money. That isn't a new concept. You know, if you're familiar with Vilfredo Pareto, the Pareto principle, um, the, the law of idle few came out of, he was doing an analysis of um, uh, property ownership in Italy and his famous thing was, is that 80% of the property was owned by 20% of the landowners. Right. And he started digging into this and he's like seeing, well, look, this, this, this propagates across nature and economies. It's, it's all over the place. And, um, what, uh, in this research, one of the things that I, I've, I've fell upon was, is that this is kind of a spontaneously organizing system that will happen in these markets and we can get into why that happens. But the, the light bulb that went on for me was, well, if it's spontaneously organizing, what if we understand the features of it and deliberately organize it, right? And this is, I think where the magic is, is if we start to deliberately put the things in place that causes cumulative advantage. And in, in essence, what happened, what cumulative advantage is about is, is that you got to think about this in rounds of play. So the, the resources that you collect in round one help you to, to do better in round two, in round three, and round four. The best example I can give is if you play Monopoly. While there's a lot of luck involved, um, 
if you collect the right properties, that's going to give you more resources. And the more rent you collect, the better you can upgrade your properties, the more properties you can buy, the more people you can wipe out. That's the same game that's being played in the author community. But what's happening is, is that you're creating a loop of, I collect existing readers that I've delighted. They help me find more readers. That pool of comes into that round comes in. I now have more readers. They go find more readers and it collects and it collects and it collects that what we see though, is in this current marketplace that's amplified. It's on steroids because there's these things in place like ranking and visibility and search that superpowers that process. It's always been there. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, there's a, you know, in a way the ads game ignores the CLTV. Like it, it, it ignores the, the lifetime value of a customer because it's so transactional. It's like, I got you, I quote unquote, got you to buy this book, but that doesn't build a fan. Like you've made that sale, but that might be the last sale you ever make on that person. Exactly. And I think that that's where, um, you know, that's when I start to break down into these things that where some of that stuff is actually super detrimental to what you're trying to do. It's, it, it's actually damaging um, your, your chances of making that person a long-term fan because, um, you know, and, and the history of it is, is that when publishing kind of opened up, if you were a traditionally published author, you didn't need to know how to market because you had a company that did that for you. And if you're a new indie author, he had no place to go. So everyone kind of went to these digital marketing tools, which um, were, are very effective, but they're, they're focused on um, getting somebody to do some kind of action. You know, you're trying to get them to transact. And uh, to your point, that isn't, has nothing to do with lifetime value and sh showing somebody um, how, how this relationship is going to benefit them long-term. So, um, it, the focus gets more and more and more about the parts that you can optimize, like click through and uh, costs. And, and all of a sudden, you don't see them as a reader to delight. You see them as a transaction. Right. And then you hear stuff come back out of the reader community, like nobody opens my emails. All they want to know is when my next book is ready. It looks like, well, yeah, because you treated them like a transaction. So they're just looking to you to go make more sausage. Yeah. Right. Who started it? You did. Right. Right. <laughs> so um, on top of that is the issue that, um, and this comes out of this Dr. Santola's research about how to get behaviors. You know, we're talking about getting complex behaviors to happen. It's a risky behavior for me to try a new author. I've got authors I like, I'm familiar. They amuse me with new stories. Why am I going to pick this new Jay Thorne book? That. It doesn't seem like a lot, but it, it there there there's financial time risk for that person to make that decision. That is a complex behavior change. It's very different than something that's viral. That like, oh yeah, I clicked on your ad. I said I like you. That's very easy, and it's a low uh, low threshold cost. But when I want to get somebody to change their behavior, this is where things start to get interesting. One piece of this is is that uh, you know you don't need um, these long connect, long weak connections. So like, Hey, I've got a friend that's in Kansas city that I, I can 
send this to him and he'll open it. What you want is you want relationships where there are strong connections, where um, literally peer pressure gets people to do things. And this is where the community piece comes into play. And what became really interesting to me about this community piece is, so when you, again, when you go and you look at cumulative advantage, like I said, this isn't like, I didn't discover it. There's been research about this for, for decades. So um, there was a guy that kind of invented the term called Rosen, it was the superstar effect. And his, you know, his thing was, is like, hey, there's talent and first mover advantage. And that because you can reproduce a performance cheap, people will go get the best performance rather than substituting it for a lesser performance. Okay, we'll go with that. Then another guy comes along and says, well, it's sort of true, but really it's a pool of people that are talented. And uh, there's this community piece because it's not just about watching the movie and being entertained. It's about talking about watching the movie with your friends. It's like, oh, that's interesting. Okay. Um, and then there was these guys that did this uh, study and um, this was really profound to me. It was um, Dodd and Watts. I can't remember the other guy's name. And they took music and they kind of had people rank it um, quality wise. So they had this as a control group. And then what they did is they took those same songs and they showed them in these kind of artificial cultural markets where in some cases, people saw how other people were ranking them. Other times they weren't showing them how they were ranked um, and they mixed these up. And what they found was, is that while good songs remain kind of good and bad songs remain kind of bad, within that, there was real high uncertainty. So the more that you got people to see what other people were doing, the more that influenced the results off of that thing, right? So that gets to that whole community piece. So how, if you start focusing less on how I'm going to get somebody to click on my ad and get it more focused on how I can help them find people like them that like my books, that becomes a super powerful thing behind the scenes that's building momentum, right? Because, you know, nobody goes to see a concert and buy a, a concert t-shirt because they're, they, for any other reason that they want to show what they are about and how it's part of their identity. And when we start to think that our books are part of people's identity, it changes the game completely. Now there is, there is an elephant in the room here and, and okay. this is not going to be something that people want to hear, but this is the cold, hard truth. Uh, I think you probably know where I'm going with this. <laughs> oh, go, go. For, for this to work, the assumption is you, you've written a good book. So can you build cumulative <laughs> advantage with a shitty book? Well, um, so here's my take on that. Uh, I think what quality means is, a, you know, we, that's kind of a an interesting framework because um, certainly I know there are authors because they said it to me. That's like, well, I can't believe this person is, is doing as well as they're doing because they're a lousy writer. And it's like, well, let's get some, you know, let, let's really frame this the right way. And it's like, if you're writing books that, uh, that resonate with an audience, 
that's a good book for that audience. Right. Right. And um, you have to determine what that is. Now, granted, I think that there's, um, how do I want to put this? Certainly the authors that I may work with or know that are doing really well, that people would say, oh, they're not the best author. One thing they, that they may be true that they're not, but they certainly are trying to become better authors, right? They're, 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 we're always working on their craft. But I think talent, whatever talent is, has less to do with it than understanding what an audience is looking for, right? Now, the cool thing, and I think this is where indie publishing is really kind of thrown everybody for a loop, is a lot of the people that are successful is because their target audience was themselves. They were avid readers and they said, I wish there was a book like this, right? And when they do that, it's like, oh, well, it just happens to be there's a fairly good audience out there that was saying the same thing. So I think that you have to, there isn't, there isn't a magic talent um, thing that's going to make you skyrocket to the top as much as it's, it's a focus on audience and what audience is looking for. And I think that um, craft is super important. And when you get into the stuff that like kind of the individual building blocks, kind of this brainwashing piece that I talk about, that's where it got kind of dicey for me because it, it starts to me to become, in, in my view, a little bit of craft, right? I mean, you tell me, you're kind of the expert on this. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of that behavioral stuff gets yeah. into how you make a story engaging. Yeah, I, I think it's an, it, it really is an interesting conversation. It's a bit of a gray area because what one person calls a good book, someone else calls a shitty book. Mm-hmm. So, so maybe a better way of, of framing it is, is not comparing your book or your writing to other writers, but comparing it to what your, ex, your own expectations are. So here's an example. Let's say I, I publish a book and I send it to my list. Let's say I only, let's say I have a hundred people on the list. Like I'm not talking, you don't need like thousands of people. Let's say if I send it, I send a link to the buy book to people on my list who have opted in, who, who want to hear from me. I send it to those hundred people and I make two sales. Mm-hmm. To me, that, that would say, okay, there's something wrong with that book, right? Like if, if, if the conversion rate, and I go internet marketer, if the conversion <laughs> rate's 2% on my list, like I, and I think what's happening is authors don't want to face that. So instead they go, okay, well, I'm just going to start running some AMS ads and I'm going to start running some Facebook ads. And my point is, if, if you can't sell that book to the people who are technically your biggest fans, there's something wrong with the book. Absolutely. And, and there's kind of two pieces to that. Um, you know, one is the whole, the product that you're delivering. Okay. And then, you know, whatever that list size is, and let's just say for the, this example, it's a hundred people, you know, if, if you're getting 2% buy, then I would question how you built that list. That too. Right. And in my view and where I come from on this, and and this is the part that's super painful about what I'm teaching in this whole idea is that it's, it's a series of rounds and you're better to play your first rounds better because even though you don't feel it, 
you're building, you're, you're putting the principle in the account that's going to compound. Yes. Right. It's that compound whole interest. idea. Yeah. Right. Yep. And if, if you've got the wrong, if you've got the wrong mix in that initial principle, then the wrong things are compounding. Right. Yep. So if you get 10, if you had a list of 10 and 70% bought it, right. Now, you know, you got the right people. You got to figure that or maybe even if it's 50%, that would still be, because there's some people that just, you have to respect the fact that they've got their own life. Maybe they can't afford a book right now. Maybe they're reading something else. Or they never opened the email. I mean, there's a yeah number of yeah, factors, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. And, you know, the other part I think that authors have to get their head around is that just because you're ready to sell doesn't mean they're ready to buy, right? If you look at a lot of, um, we go back to digital marketing stuff, their data shows that people that you get on your list may not buy in the first 90 days. It might take 18 months uh, because they need to get to where they're ready to buy, right? Yeah. Like they're, they, they, they know they have a problem, but they don't know that they, this is really the solution. Right. 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 Um, but my whole idea is, is that I would rather see an author take the time to find those 10 people that really get what they're about and build a community around that because those 10 people are going to go find other people. And a big part of what we want to do is we want to get them. So here, here this I talk about it in the book and it's something I'm really kind of focused on is, is your brand promise, right? So what is it that your books are supposed to deliver to me as an author or as, as a reader? So I read a Jay Thorne book. What am I supposed to get out of that? Now, if I, if you articulate that to me the right way, and I read the book and then I'm a satisfied customer and I'm like, wow, this is really good. And I, and you've in, kind of indoctrinated me to repeat that brand promise to my friend, right? We're sitting around, we're having drinks. Hey, what have you been reading? I read this great Jay Thorne book. You got to read it. And I, I kind of articulate your brand promise. Now I've set that person up for success for you because now all you have to do is deliver on that. But if I screw up the brand promise, I'm like, well, it's kind of like walking dead or it's, you know, like, and he goes in with that thought and he's like, what's Solari talking about? It's nothing like walking dead. It's like all this dialogue and stuff. Like it's, you know, actually in that case, it's kind of like, walking <laughs> dead. But you, you, get, you get my point. It's yeah. like, it's, it, it's about, you know, a, a big part of making these things successful is, you know, I, if, if I love your books enough that I am prepared to risk my social capital for you, think about that. What a big deal that is when this isn't like just putting up a, Hey, I like your book on uh, Amazon. I mean, that's, that's, that's arbitrary and it's anonymous, but I'm sitting with a friend and, and I'm ex explaining why I want you to read this book because what it did for me, that's a big deal. And I don't think authors have thought about it at that level is like, it, it, when you start to get your fans to be fervent about what you're, you're doing, it becomes part of their identity. And they are looking for people like themselves. I mean, that's, we're, we're always looking for our tribe. And the more we can pull into our tribe and the more we can be focused on the fact that our identities are like around this, right? You know, I'll, I'll give you a great example. Um, Eddie Van Halen died this week. Right. So I had a friend contact me over Facebook who found somebody had uh, made a, a recording 
at the International Amphitheater in Chicago in 1981, a concert. It was my first concert that I went to. It was a Van Halen concert that oh. I went to with this guy. Right? And when I heard that, it brought me right back to that lousy sound at that stadium. <laughs> right? And, and, but like, think about how that is intertwined over decades around a brand and around events. Like that's the stuff we have to be thinking about as authors. Like we can create this fantastic story world. If we start to let that bleed out into the real world, that's what we want. Yeah. Yeah. Man, this is Joe. I could talk to you all day about this, uh, <laughs> but we should, we should probably kind of pull it to a close here. I just want to let our yeah. listeners know that I got a message from Zach that he's, he was having all kind of technical problems, which is why he's not with us on, on the call, but we'll, we'll bust his balls about that later. Um, yep. Joe, I, I mean, clearly, I, I believe every independent author needs to read this book. Uh, we'll have a link in the show notes to it. Uh, I, I would also um, say, like, if you guys want to come in the comments and, and, and leave a question about cumulative advantage or anything we talked about, uh, I, I, know, I know that sometimes, especially me, I won't speak for you, Joe, but I know sometimes... Uh, some of what I what I say gets taken in a negative light, but I I want to highlight what you said at one point during our conversation, which is there's never been a better time to be an independent publisher or writer. We have we have all these tools available, and I, and I think we have our focus on the wrong stuff. And I think if we can get in alignment with the reader experience, then the sky's the limit. Uh, would you agree with that as a sort of a, a final thought? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my my. I, I think this is an immutable deal in the whole author community. There's, there's this reader writer relationship. It's symbiotic, right? Without uh, writers writing stuff for readers to read, there's nothing for them to read. And without readers, there's no way that a, an author can make money. Everything in between that is friction, right? And we're in a time where that friction is getting less and less and less. But if you forget that relationship, right? then they're gonna have a, a, a ton of problems because you have to be taking care and delighting that reader. If They're willingly gonna give you money, right? Like the stuff we're talking about is if you're giving them that, that reader experience and that community experience, you don't have to ask them to buy, they're chomping at the bit to buy, Yeah. right? Yep. Um, so yeah, I think that th th this kind of stuff, um, if you're prepared, to, to go down this path. I believe it's, it's actually the shorter, easier path. It may not seem like it. Um, it certainly is probably gonna be the less expensive path given what I've seen people spending on ads. Awesome. Well, man, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your, your insight and, uh, and people need to go grab that book. So thanks, man. Yeah, you're welcome. And like you said, if they leave comments, you know, I will, you know, either through you or however you want, I can, keep an eye on them and make comments and, and help people out. I really believe that um, the more that people understand these ideas, the easier it's going to be for them to write books that people are going to be compelled to read and tell their friends about. Cool.
So guys, uh, head on over to the careerauthor.com, uh, go to the podcast tab or go to episode 148. Uh, there, that's where you want to comment on cumulative advantage. If you're uh, interested in joining us for the finale, uh, episode 150, that link will be there. Uh, don't forget the, the novel challenge and the dialogue doctor course links will all be in the show notes. So, uh, thanks again, Joe. Hopefully Zach will be with us back, uh, for next week's episode. But, uh, in the meantime, thanks a lot and we'll see you guys later.